Our epistle reading this morning is found in Paul's epistle to the Philippians. We'll be reading the second chapter, and we'll be reading the fifth through the eleventh verses. In fact, I'm going to back up one verse. We're going to start with the fourth verse. Uh, That's 2, 4 through 11. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to zero in on these words, and I want to zero in on them with the understanding that uh, this is Palm Sunday, and we've just celebrated Jesus' triumphal entry in, and everybody expecting him to take over the government and and uh, become a king. They were expecting a January the 6th moment where uh, politics would get all straightened out, and they were so happy about that. But it says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He entered Jerusalem to die. He had been telling his disciples for weeks before that that's why they were going to Jerusalem. And they really didn't understand, even after he died, they still didn't understand what he was talking about. But in the middle of this, there is uh, this, uh, but in, in the, well, during the, as the, as Holy Week began, let me put it that way. We read this morning in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus sent his disciples, two of his disciples, to, to get a donkey and her foal and to bring them to him. He sends two of his disciples and they obediently go. And that's the, I think that the the thing that links these two passages is the fact that they went in obedience to the Lord into something they didn't know what they were getting into, really. He told them, you may wind up having somebody question what you're doing. And if so, you just tell them, The Lord has need of them. And we read in the other Gospels that they were challenged. Why are you, what what, do you want for this donkey? And said, the Lord has need of him. And uh, they let him go. And I think that we see in this little snippet here where it says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. 
as they did that, as they obeyed the Lord's command, everything fell into place just as he said that it would. And there's, that's, the, that's the walk of faith, isn't it? We go through life as believers in Jesus Christ, trusting him with our very lives. And we go forth uh, a lot of times having no idea what we're really getting into. We know what the Lord has told us to do and we do it obediently. And then we discover it was the right thing to do at the right time. You see, when you obey, your faith is strengthened because when you obey, you discover that what the Lord said is true. And the proof, you know, there's an old saying, the proof is in the pudding. Well, that's the way it is here. You don't understand really what the Lord's about until you start doing the things that he says to do. And as these disciples walked in there, everything, there, they, there it was, right where he said it was going to be. Brought him back, and it was important what they did. They didn't know what they were doing or why they were doing it really, but they were needed. Their obedience was needed at that point. If they hadn't gone and gotten that donkey, you see, Jesus couldn't have ridden in on the donkey and fulfilled Scripture. They didn't realize as they were just walking around there heading to a place where they were going to find a, a donkey, they had no idea what they were really a part of. They were a part of something much bigger than they could ever understand. And so as they did this and found it to be so, they wound up being a part of that triumphal entry. It couldn't have taken place without the donkey. If they hadn't been obedient in this little thing, Jesus could not have fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 and come in on the donkey. He couldn't have come in. And so uh, they didn't realize it, but they were acting as a part of God's plan for all of creation. That little bit of obedience was so important to all of us, because Jesus went in to die. He went in to die for you. He went in to die for me. And without his death and resurrection, then we wouldn't be here today celebrating uh, Jesus as our Savior. And so you see, little things make a difference. What you do, your obedience makes a difference. It makes a difference in your life as things are confirmed. It makes a difference in the lives of other people. It touches lives that you'll never even realize. And it makes a difference in the kingdom of God and his plan as a whole. Those little things that you do in obedience when nobody else is looking affect all of eternity. What these disciples did was important. It was necessary for him to make his journey into Jerusalem. It was necessary for him to fulfill that prophecy. 
As I thought about that, it reminded me of uh, this old adage that uh, it's been around since the 1300s in different forms. It's called for the want of a nail. And some of you who are cowboys, you'll know what we're talking about here. For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the want of a horse, the rider was lost. For the want of a rider, the message was lost. For the want of a message, the battle was lost. For the want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Little things that you don't think are significant. Little acts of obedience make all the difference in the world. When you know what God's will is for you and you do it, you may not be aware of how it's going to fit. But in faith, you trust there is a reason for you to do the right thing at the right time. And although it may seem isolated to one instant, you see, it's not. It ties in with God's plan for all of creation. You may not see the big picture, but it's there. And I hope that you this morning, as we enter into Holy Week, will see the big picture. There's a story that's told uh, After the great fire of 1666 leveled London, the world's most famous architect, Christopher Wren, was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. And one day in 1671, Christopher Wren saw three bricklayers on a scaffold. One was crouched, one was half standing, the other was standing tall, working very hard and very fast. And to the first bricklayer, Christopher Wren asked the question, what are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I'm a bricklayer. I'm working hard laying bricks to feed my family. The second bricklayer responded, I'm a builder. I'm building a wall. But the third bricklayer the most productive of the three and the one who is going to ultimately become the leader of the group when asked the question, what are you doing? Replied with a gleam in his eye. I am a cathedral builder. I'm building a great cathedral to the almighty. I hope you'll get the cathedral builder image that's connected just as they just laid one brick at a time. They built a cathedral. Your obedience, one action at a time, makes a big difference. Now, this story was one time told by uh, an executive to one of his uh, young lady employees. He went through the three different ones, the ones that said, I'm building a wall, or the one that said, I'm laying bricks, I'm building a wall, I'm building a cathedral. And he asked her, now, which one would you want to be your husband? And she thought for a minute and she said, the cute one, I guess. I hope that you'll look deeper than that. I hope you'll see the big picture. Now this was all mirrored in what Jesus was about 
when he told these disciples to uh, fetch the donkey. Jesus mirrored obedience in his entering into the to Jerusalem. He obeyed the Father, and God brought forth the mightiest thing ever in all creation, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world that we celebrate this morning as we take Holy Communion, the victory over sin and death, and Jesus' exaltation uh, as, as King of King and Lord of Lords. Now, biblical obedience means to really hear, to really grasp what the Lord says in his word and to your heart and to trust him, to surrender to him in the moment, to submit to him in the moment and to surrender to God and to his word. That's what obedience means. Now, Jesus said that you'd know people by their fruit. And obedience to the Lord is one of the most prominent fruits of the Christian's life. Jesus said that it was evidence of loving him. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the thing is, you see, Obedience doesn't bring salvation. It's the tangible result of salvation. Uh, it's not always easy. It requires us sometimes to humble ourselves, to set aside what we want to do in order to know what we know that God wants of us. I was trying to figure out a way to really show how this is fruit. You know, you can obey out of duty. You can obey out of fear and you can obey out of love. And Jesus is wanting us to obey out of love. And I, I just glanced day before yesterday and saw a coffee cup that we have uh, sitting on the counter. And it says, uh, whatever is done in love is well done. And I was there in the kitchen and this is where we fix steaks. And it, I thought of how Sharon and I like our steaks fixed very differently. I like mine rare, medium rare, I'd say. There was a time when if you branded the cow, that was done enough. But I've <laughs> evolved where it's medium rare. Sharon likes hers to be a burnt offering. I mean, she likes it. It's, it is, it's, it's sad to see what her steak looks like whenever you fix it the way that she wants it. And it grieves my heart to fix the steak the way that she wants it. But you see, out of love, I ruined her steak. It hurts. See, a little shriveled up thing. It's just, it's sad. I mean, it's not quite crunchy, but it's, it's close. It's sad. But you see, there's some people that they refuse to fix food 
the way that the other person wants it fixed. They, if, if medium rare is the way it ought to be, then by grainy, you go get it medium rare. And they would, and you know, I thought about this. It's like they'll take, you can take scripture and twist it. Just like uh, when, uh, oh, let's see here. Uh, W.C. Fields was caught looking through the Bible one time. And he was not a religious man by any means. But he was there thumbing through the Bible and someone was shocked seeing what he was doing. They said, W.C., what you doing? And he said, looking for loopholes. <laughs> and this is what a lot of people do with the Bible. They look for loopholes. And if, and if this phrase, uh, anything that's done in love is well done, you see, they'd take that and they'd offer Sharon a medium rare steak and say, according to what I just read, I did this in love, so it's well done. <laughs> see, they'd see a loophole there. But, you think it's, but that's just it. Out of love and out of obedience. And this, do you see, the obedience is a, is an, is a fruit of love. Do you get that? It's not done out of fear. It's done out of a heart that's filled with a love that wants to please the other person. Our obedience to God is done not to avoid his wrath, but to please him because we love him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he's that's right. That's right. And he's saying that that's the fruit that shows his obedience. So obedience, it's not always easy. It requires us sometimes to humble ourselves and to set aside what we want in order to do what we know God wants. But there's a joy in our hearts as we offer it to him. And it expresses our love to him. And then it becomes a sacrifice of love. Do you see that? Now, in your life, do people see that fruit? Do they see fidelity in marriage and celibacy and singleness? Do they see you helping those who are in need as you come across them in your daily lives? Do they see you looking out for the least and the last and the lost as you come across them daily? Do they see it in your honesty, in your dealings in business and in your dealings at home? And do they see it in forgiveness? This is the biggie to me. Do they see it in your willingness to forgive those who have really hurt you. Let me share an example of that with you. Brother Max Caesar was a uh, a minister in the full full in the what, what was it called the the Foursquare Church in Los Angeles, and he was Sharon's pastor for th for three years, her freshman. See, uh, junior and uh, 
our freshman, sophomore, junior years in high school, and probably in the eighth grade even as well. But for several years, he was her pastor. He was a spirit-filled man who preached the word. He preached the truth, and it took root deeply in Sharon's heart and in the hearts of many others. Now, I I had the honor of meeting Brother Caesar at one point, a true man of God. He had two daughters. One of them was kidnapped and brutally murdered. It grieved Brother Caesar. It grieved his wife. But Brother Caesar, knowing that the Lord has told us to forgive, went to the Los Angeles County Jail and he sat down with that young man and he forgave him to his face. Don't tell me that was easy for him to do. It was a love gift to God. But as he did that, it broke that young man's heart. And that young man wound up giving his life to the Lord. And Brother Caesar continued to visit him while he was there in jail. And a love developed between the two of them. And he looked on this man ultimately as his own son. And he loved him and he did what he could for him while he was in prison. The jailers in the L.A. County Jail saw what was going on. They watched Brother Caesar as he came and he went every week visiting with this man that had brutally murdered his daughter. And they ultimately asked him to be when they didn't have a chaplain in the Los Angeles County Jail to be the L.A. County Jail chaplain. And for decades, he dutifully went every week and he ministered to the prisoners there in that jail. And hearts were touched one after another by this godly man. His obedience was evident. How about yours? Can you forgive like Brother Caesar? Are you willing to forgive like Brother Caesar? You should be. Because you see, when we were lost, the offenses that we committed against God were much greater than what that young man did to Brother Caesar. And yet, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for us and offered us eternal life. He offers us love when all we have shown Him is animosity and disregard. That's a great love. And how can you do anything but respond in love 
to that kind of love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.